This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. You're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, you can send me a text at 2057 and you can send me an email at inbox at rallycheck.radio. One of our regular guests and a great delight and her writing impresses me enormously. Uh, she's got a beautiful writing style. She she writes beautifully. And what she writes about always interests me, and that's Mary Hobbs. And she's been publishing her work uh, on a great site, a great news site called The Daily Telegraph. And I hadn't heard of it, dailytelegraph.co.nz. And it's my great pleasure to have, I'm going to work hard on his uh, surname. Uh, it's my great pleasure to have Malcolm Trennan. Did I get it right, Malcolm? Trennan. Drenine. 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 And how do you spell Drenine? Because it's so fascinating. Uh, D for David. R E A N for November. Double E N for November. Trenine. It's a wonderful name. And you think it's Irish, you were telling me before we came on here. Yeah. Yeah. Going back. Um, is it, a common, is it a common name? No, not at all. I mean, uh, I've I've pretty much met any Drenine in New Zealand, um, <laughs> and we're all related. So, uh, yeah, it's not common at all. Ah. Um, now, tell me this. You've got this new site. You're publishing wide and far. How was it that you came to get into the newspaper well? I use the word newspaper advisedly because it's online, but you know what I mean. Maybe I yeah. guess I should say media. How did you get into yeah. the media business? Well, it, Daily Telegraph was was really a reaction um, to government policies and the way that the mainstream media were um, reporting on issues uh, through the COVID crisis. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was basically born out of a sense of frustration with the way that the mainstream media were reporting um, during the COVID uh, pandemic, the lockdowns, etc. Um, I felt that there was a whole lot of information that was very important for New Zealanders to know that was not being. Uh, published and distributed by mainstream media at the time. And, I mean, it took me a while to figure that out. Like, I figured out that the panic was overhyped. Hmm? And I figured out that the lockdown was nonsense. But it took me a long time to figure out yeah. That Same here. we were being propagandized to. Absolutely. I but mean, you, I. Sorry, Rodney. You cottoned on to that and did something about it. What What was it that. Well, did you start off with the panic thinking this is rubbish? Or when did you. When were your eyes opened, I guess, is what I'm asking. When were your eyes opened to A, the government was feeding us BS, and B, that the media were just peddling it without contradiction. Well, it took me a while as well, Rodney. Um, mm -hmm. And that's because I've always I've always been a Labour supporter. 
mm-hmm. and I've always, I voted for Jacinda twice. And um, when the first lockdown happened, I at that stage my son was a three was three months old, and I was kind of like totally immersed with looking after him and you know making bottles at three o'clock in the morning and things like that. I was my my eye wasn't really on the ball as to what was happening at the beginning, but I had all my faith and trust in Labour and Jacinda. Um, as the first lockdown happened, I totally supported that. Uh, I just had this feeling that, uh, you know, this was a very serious situation that we were facing. Um, I had faith and trust in the government and the health authorities to to make the right calls, and I just kind of followed along. Um, during the during the first lockdowns and things like that, I've, I've, I'm really lucky because I've got a, a great little brother and um, a lot of cousins who are very onto it and a lot more awake than I was at the time. And they were feeding me information that was just not getting into the media. Um, and in particular, there were, there were uh, things like the Great Barrington Declaration. Mm-hmm. And I, most New Zealanders have probably never heard about that declaration, but for me that was a very important document when I first read it I couldn't believe that there were all these um, scientific um, mass you know people people who are very highly regarded in, in science and health around the world um, who were working in some of the uh, great universities of the world who were um, who were saying that look what governments are doing is wrong um, the vaccination, should be targeted. There shouldn't be lockdowns. They should be focusing on the people who are really at risk. Um, and I was—I I watched a lot of videos from Dr. Malone, who I hold in very high regard. And mm-hmm. if anyone knows about mRNA technology, it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this kind of like total difference from what the media and the government were saying um, to what whole lot of other credible experts internationally were saying and I slowly woke up um, and I, as I said before I was kind of um, I, my, my my attention was focused on on looking after my son at that time but my brother and cousins uh, were feeding me this information because normally I'm actually quite awake I'm, I'm quite aware of what's going on in the world but COVID was a bit different and I'm Exactly like you, it took me a while to to really wake up, and I suppose the changing point was definitely the the mandates, because as I said before, I'd I'd voted Labour and all my life, including twice for Jacinda, and I totally believed her when she said that uh, she would not impose any um, adverse uh, consequences for anyone who chose not to take the vaccine. And so as I got to learn more information, I'd made up in my mind that I'm not going to take that vaccine. Mm. And I was very comforted by Jacinda's words at the time that it won't affect me or my family if we make that choice. But as we all know, a few months later, she completely uh, went uh, back on her word and her undertakings to people, I felt, 
I felt betrayed. I, 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 she totally betrayed what she said, and because I'd invested a lot of um, of uh, my hopes and dreams for New Zealand and Jacinda making it a better place, I felt really, really, this is shocking. How can she? Um, how can she do this to? to people and uh, so that was the the mandates of really the turning point for me but before that i was you know i was i was pretty much um telling the government line but definitely had made up my mind that i wasn't going to take the vaccine well there were a lot of us in that boat but only one of us started a media outlet yeah Yes. So my point was I saw through the lockdown, I saw through the panic, I should say and clarify, I saw through that day one, um, mainly because I've spent a long time studying uh, the so-called global warming um, problem, and I knew from 1992 that we were being fed rubbish. So I was well aware that governments and bureaucracies and scientists are well capable of cherry-picking data and manipulating uh, their studies to advance their agenda, to advance their research interests, and to scare us. Um, and so when this scare came along, I was extremely sceptical because I think if there was a real scare also, the government would be wanting to calm us down, not scare us up. And so, but what I wasn't aware of for a long time was that our, I call them the legacy media, who I recognized had a left-wing bias, but I hadn't realized that they would, in a time of public health so-called scare, just run a government narrative to the exclusion of any debate or discussion. Mm. And it took me a long time, even beyond that, once I realized that the media were deplatforming people and not allowing critics and not even providing what other news sources around the world were prepared to put up, right? It was like you're in Albania um, <laughs> in terms of the news. And then the yeah. idea that Google and Facebook and Twitter would censor people, that was just beyond my imagining because I, I, I was busy reading online as everyone was, and I didn't realize that I was being shaped even as I was searching. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, was horrific. What do they think? We're lab rats or something. It was, it was the arrogance and the demeaning of us. And yet it never occurred to me to do what you'd... I was actually quite scared by it. Scared by the by the big tech cover, um, approach? Yes, and also yeah. scared that if you stood up, they would destroy you. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. <laughs> Just for having a different yeah. opinion or asking a question. So you went out there, and I have to say, um, boldly and bravely, 
and set up a website. What motivated that? That was just to, that to me is an extraordinary decision, and in so many ways, because you don't have a background in it particularly, do you? You just went and did it. Yeah, I mean, I I I have been involved with website development in a as a, as a sort of like a um, as, as a hobby really for for twenty years for a long time. Um, I just really interested in in the platforms and the development of uh, websites. And when when the as I said when the mandates happened, my my um, awakening was 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 pretty quick. Within twenty four hours, I'd say that I'd gone from a a Jacinda supported to someone who was very, very disappointed, and I felt that I had to do something. And I thought for a few days, what what are the skills that I have? I didn't know anybody in the freedom movement um, over the years. Now, obviously, I know and have con- connections with a lot of people, but um, at the time I started the website, I, I was sort of like on my own. And didn't have any contacts or didn't know who was the personalities that were involved um, and the groups, et cetera, in the freedom movement. So um, I, I just thought, what can I actually do with the skill sets that I have and the time that I have? Um, and I thought, well, I have this talent for website development. Um, and in actual fact, I had I've 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 had the the main name dailytelegraph.co.nz reserved for some years. Mm-hmm. It's always been in the back of my mind because my my faith and trust in the mainstream media uh, declined, was declining well before COVID. Yeah, there were, um, yeah, that, and I just thought, well, someone's got to start up an, an independent website for news. Um, and, and then I just thought, I've got to do it. Um, now is the time to do it. Um and so I just published it, and you're right. I mean, uh, in those days, anyone who spoke up was vilified and attacked. And I mean, I was, I was just a normal Kiwi bloke who, who was just um, really happy living a private life with my family. And then, but knowing that when this website would be published, I'd, I'd be, you know, out there in the public, and well, not in the public, but publicly known. And it was way out of my comfort zone. Mm. Um, but I felt, as I said before, very quickly my my um, my my uh, the urgency that I felt that New Zealanders needed to know information that I that I knew and that other people were sharing because it was completely different from what the mainstream media was saying. And um, when I woke up, I I came to this realization that there's something actually really wrong here. You know, it's not, there's something actually quite evil going on Mm. um, with what's happening. And I just felt that that's where my talents were and that's where I could contribute the best that I could. Well, good for you. Do you know that image in 1989 that's just occurred to me at Tiananmen Square where there was that one student standing in front of those tanks? Yeah. And it moved the world, and it still does. You can't look at that image mm. and not have a shiver down your spine. Yeah. Because it's a lone man 
standing mm. up for a principle in front of tanks. Yeah. And in a funny way, well, it's not funny in a peculiar way or a, a different way. We have seen this with some brave souls in New Zealand because there's lots of us who disagreed with the policies and mm. questioned the narrative. But there were very few of us that stood in front of the tanks. And you're one of them. Because in putting up that site, you published you 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 published a big target on your back, like that yeah. one one student. And you wouldn't know in that. Not at the time, but there were there were other people who were speaking out and I saw how the media were were attacking them and so with, uh, probably within a month of publishing Daily Telegraph in October 2021, um, I knew that uh, there was a huge target on anyone's back that that stood up. And that's where, <laughs> oh, gosh, it's so, I mean, I'm sorry to dwell on it. I hope I'm not reliving any trauma for you, but no. that's where things get so dystopian and like you're in a movie because you're thinking anyone who says something counter to the government narrative which is so clearly wrong and so clearly driven by some alternate agenda that we can't see anyone who questions that the media become like feral dogs Mm. attacking attacking that people that organization in the mm. most outrageous way and you're thinking that's not their job absolutely it's the whole the whole behavior of the media during the the covid uh, episode uh, was disgusting I, on so many levels mm. Um, they attacked people who had a different view. And even if these people were experts in the field, um, in the medical field or, or the virology field and the public health field, anybody who had a different opinion was personally attacked and ridiculed. Um, they suppressed information that was very important for New Zealanders to know about the, the nature of the vaccine, its novel yeah. um, technology and yeah. um, the testing procedures that Pfizer or lack thereof that yeah. Pfizer had, had used. And I mean, I think trust and faith in the mainstream media had been declining, but I think it, it it's accelerated through. Oh, it fell, it fell off the cliff. It fell yeah, off the cliff. Mass, and it fell, fell off the cliff for politicians. It fell off the cliff for. Um, public health experts, it fell off the cliff for doctors. Um, yeah. I don't trust my local doctors now um, because they were on board with it. And I look at them now and I'm thinking, who are you working for? And mm. then you see those brave doctors who stood against it. And even yeah. at the time when you're wondering whether you're right or wrong, you just admire, admired the fact that they were prepared to speak out. And literally, a doctor says, I'm not sure pregnant people should be taking this. Mm. Well, that was exactly the right advice. They shouldn't be taking it. Yeah. They get deregistered and vilified in the media. And the media turn on them like a pack of hounds. Yeah. And it's there's not a, one yeah. journalist 
or one outlet saying, well, hang on, why does this doctor think this? Yeah, it's it's just they they totally um, neglected their their principles of of balance and impartiality, mm. and and instead they took money from the government and attacked the other side or the or people who had different opinions. And what what gets me is that the mainstream media um, sort of sit around and they think why why is the trust and um, and uh, credibility of the organizations decreasing and they don't seem to think that it's anything that they do it's it's people who are attacking them as quote disinformation Mm. agents but it's actually the way that they are because what the the reality is that that that's that we've had the internet now for 25 years and they and they're still struggling to come to terms with the fact that people can find the information, um, their own information at the click of a mouse mm-hmm. button, and quite often or sometimes that information is completely the opposite of what the mainstream media are trying to pump into your mind twenty four seven, and yeah, I, I mean it's the, the, just the way that they attack people. I just felt it was very dis- distasteful, but it's just like digging they did like digging their own grave. Mm. And it's very sad. I mean, I, I take I take no pleasure in in the in the downfall or in the continued downfall of the mainstream media. Mind me neither. Um, yeah. Me neither. But yeah, it's self inflicted. My great pleasure, you know, when I'm thinking back to the eighties and nineties, my great pleasure was reading the newspapers, listening to Morning Report, listening to Checkpoint, watching the TV news, watching the Holmes show. I absolutely loved it. And I was omnivorous. I would read every article because I want to read things that I weren't interested in and I'd often become interested in them. And I, I valued the news enormously and I'd get overseas Mm. magazines and now um, I'm hugely disappointed Mm. Um, and that's why I'm interested in your webpage and of course the same thing has been done with Radley Check Radio um, you know to set up these alternative channels not mm-hmm. taking pleasure in it, but almost out of desperation. Yeah, you're dead right, Rodney. I mean, I, I, as you know, I, 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 I would, like I said, this this was a way out of my comfort zone. I was very happy with my life um, in terms of I was living the average Kiwi bloke's the, living the dream of the average mm-hmm. Kiwi bloke, and the last thing that I ever expected was. To be able, or not to be able, but to be put in a position where I I had to stand up against the the this huge um, um you know gang I think gang is basically what you yeah. call them gang of between the government and the media it's, it was so wrong so wrong on so many levels. You're and, yeah. You're on Rally Check Radio. It's real talk with Rodney Hyde, and I'm talking to Malcolm. I'm going to 
called Malcolm Trinan. Janine. You've got to allow I have a disability, listeners. Um, I've, my son's been diagnosed as verbally dyspraxic, and I realize it's what I have. I find talking, surprisingly, very hard work, and oh. I struggle to make um, sounds. I hadn't realized this until my son suffered the same thing. And um, when I was in politics, people would attack me because they think I'd be making fun of people's foreign names or Maori names. And the fact of it was I was struggling to do it right. And I can hear the name over and over and over again, and I still can't say it. And I can't even hear it properly when people tell me their name for some reason, then I can't make the sound. And um, the other thing I find because of this verbal dyspraxia, which I have slightly, my son had it quite badly, he's getting better now, he's nine, is it makes talking exhausting, which is a strange thing too, because I have to so concentrate. So I apologize, Malcolm, um, no, and to listeners. Because... You know, I'm playing the victim card. I'm not trying to be rude or abusive. Or I'm not being lazy. Um, yeah. You have put up the web page. Yeah. And like I look at it now, you've got a huge amount of content. Yes. And there's more stuff to read on your web page when I went up this morning. And for listeners, it's dailytelegraph.co.nz. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Um, when I Google it, by the way, it won't come up. Which is truly, truly shocking. I had to go and find it. Um, Mary Hobbs had sent me an email with her latest piece some time ago, and I was trying to find it to look over it this morning. And I Googled it, couldn't find it anywhere. And so I had to go back to Mary Hobbs's email. So you've actually got to type it in dailytelegraph.co.nz to get to the site. How crazy is that? Now, um, how did you end up, put the web page up, I get that, you've got the skills. How did you end up generating the content back in October 21? Well, the very one of the first things that I did was I, um, I sent an email to Linda Wharton. Oh, she's so lovely. Yeah, the, the great Linda Wharton. Mm. And... Um, I, I said to her in the email, I said that I just started up a new website. Um, here it is. Um, I'd, I'd like to publish people who have opinions that are different from the narrative, the mainstream media position and the government's position to give a fuller picture. Um, could you help or do you have any suggestions? And I think Linda, um, Put a put a sort of a post on her Facebook page because at that stage she had tens of thousands of yes. um, people on her page or in her group, and when she did that, I had a huge amount of people contacting me, including uh, Dr. Guy Hatchard, um, the great Dr. Guy Hatchard, the great Dr. Guy Hatchard. Yeah, and um, so. That's how it really started. Was was through that one post. I just I was just blown away with all the people that were contacting me and saying they'd like to write stuff and and contribute. Um, and so that's how initially the ball got rolling with with content. Um, and 
the at that stage daily telegraph wasn't uh being suppressed by big tech as it is now as you as you described you if you type in daily telegraph now or any any even the exact um uh title of a of a um article on daily telegraph you'll never find it on on google and in fact uh you'll find the first five or six pages are all mainstream media outlets from New Zealand and around the world. So um, that's that's another example of how mainstream media get get uh, a free pass. I mean, through big tech, they're just promoted left, right and centre. Um, but, yeah, so it started with Linda Wharton's um, call to help from Linda. And from there, that's how it, it really grew and in the beginning, it wasn't uh, banned by Google, and so um, a lot of the articles, especially the early the early one by Dr. Hatchard, where he described how I think he was he must have been one of the first persons in the world to write about the huge amount of adverse reactions that had been discovered in documents released in an, in an American court. Um, regarding Pfizer's trials. So back in that, back in, I don't know if people remember, but there was a very important court case in America where Pfizer were trying to keep the their documents secret for 75 years. Mm -hmm. um, but a judge ordered them to release documents and, and they drip-fed the documents month by month because we're talking tens of thousands of documents. And um, among those documents were... Um, information about Pfizer's um, trials and the, ad, the the huge amount of adverse reactions that they had documented, and I think Dr. Hatchard was one of the first persons in the world to pick that up and write an article. So that article that he wrote went absolutely viral Isn't around the great? world. Yeah, it had a that 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 one article alone had one million readers. No. Yeah. Totally. Oh no! Yeah, and even that, today, that, that is beyond yep. any. That's like that's like that fellow playing that song, "Rich Man North of Richmond." It just took off, right? Absolutely. You took off. Yeah, I, and it was unbelievable. And um, you know the the um, um, the reach. I think at that point, it's the, the government would have seen the traffic that was being drawn to Daily Telegraph, and they probably became aware of Daily Telegraph at that point, um, and this was probably two months after I started it, um, and then the subsequent um, two or three or four articles that Dr. Hatchard wrote um, attracted, you know, hundreds of thousands, many hundreds of thousands of readers. So from, from about six months after Daily Telegraph was published and and having had the you know the, the huge amount of readership for Dr. Hatchard's work at that point, um, the, I think that's when the breaks went on, and and then the government. This is just speculation from on my part, but I'm pretty sure it's what happened. The government would have um, talked to the big tech platforms and said, "Hey, we've got to suppress this website." And um, yeah, so it was it was a. Um, process that has now been it's ongoing they're continuing to suppress it because the one source of truth cannot handle you know 
differing points of view or other sources of information and fact because truth is not really fact no. um truth is subjective mm. fact is objective so the one source of truth doesn't like facts mm. have they tried to take down i don't know what the phrase is the domain or the whole daily telegraph.co.nz have they come after that yeah the there was a period yeah there was a period of about two weeks um i think it was earlier this no it was last year um there was a period of about two weeks where the website went down went offline um and i was scrambling luckily i back it up it's back the, the, the website's backed up daily um but I had to reconfigure the servers, some some of the server um, aspects, and beef up the security. But um, I can't I can't say for sure who or what caused that. Um, but it was very suspicious. Um, so yeah, it has been down. It has been, but but since then it's been um, operating without without uh, any issues now. And have you been ignored? by the legacy media or have you been attacked well i when when the when the website first came out uh, there was a hit piece on me mm -hmm. um in the legacy media which was completely false because the hit piece um presumed that i was a, a white supremacist <laughs> um but <laughs> as you can see you don't look very white no i'm not white um <laughs> my mother's a tongan my my father's a Kiwi New Zealander and my mother's a Tongan, so that made me, you know, that made me laugh and made a, it. Was, it, it should have been in the uh, in the comedy section, but um, but apart from that, I think the I the, suppose the, I suppose you know, yeah. A yeah. half Tongan could be a one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, aren't they? Uh, well, I mean, they're comical, aren't they? Oh, it's comical, and um. So that, that there hadn't been anything then. That would have that would have been the first or second, no, the second month after I it, it was published. And what they're doing now is they're totally ignoring it. And I think that's actually the right strategy for them to take is just to completely ignore Daily Telegraph because when people come, if they if they focus or or look at Daily Telegraph and attack it, it's only going to drive people to the website. Yes, and then people come to the website and find that it's not actually right-wing mm. uh, misinformation it's actually just this different point of view because the website has you know sports sections as well mm. um art and entertainment the normal things that mainstream media use to hook in um readership um so yeah i think that that initially they were kind of like well what do we do about this and this website they attacked it but i think that's um that's not the right option thing what the, what they should actually do is totally ignore daily telegraph which is what they're doing when that i last for for so long when i was preparing for this interview i quickly googled your name and yeah. i found down a little bit a funny hit piece yeah on a blog by david farrier yeah that that's the one i was referring to and it's quite funny because they clearly take the worst picture from a video that they could have you. Well, and it wasn't, wasn't even me. It's not you. No. 
the, well, <laughs> well, I was going to say, it looks like this terrible picture, and then I was going to yeah. say, they must have whitened the guy up or something, because yeah. it doesn't look no. like you. Yeah, it's not that, you. That's why, no, that's why I was saying it was so comical. It was so <laughs> ridiculously wrong. He, he was saying, he said in the hit piece that I had um, a YouTube channel of one million subscribers. At, at that point in time, I didn't even have a YouTube channel. And that screenshot is of somebody in the UK, Daily Telegraph, not me. But it, that, that just shows you how comical it was. And um, But, the, yeah, they, they, they used David Ferrier in the beginning to do these silly hit pieces on even Linda Wharton, the great Linda Wharton and the great Dr. Hatchard. He, he was doing hit pieces on everybody. Um, but he's gone a bit quiet lately. I don't know what's happening, but well, I yeah. recall. I recall from the thing it was like um, you. He had you. I think from memory, questioning the um, that there might be adverse effects. Yeah. <laughs> and this was his big. This guy is spreading misinformation. Yeah. He is saying that there could be adverse effects from this vaccine. Yeah. Ho ho yeah. ho! How stupid is he? What a terrible yeah. thing he's doing because he's telling people that the vaccine may, in fact, affect you adversely. And it's like, well, you would go a bit quiet if you were running that line back a year or two, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. I mean... The the the, the things he was criticising you for have come to pass. Yeah. Exactly. And, and this is the I'm thing. So I mean, yeah. I'm so struck. I'm so struck. Because I saw that picture, and I thought, yeah. I can see what they've done. They've taken a YouTube shot of the worst possible screwed-up face that you could imagine in a YouTube yeah. shot. Yeah. And then and then I can see you, listeners can't. And then you came on, and I'm looking at you, and I'm <laughs> thinking, that's not the picture I had from that hit piece. And then I'm yeah. thinking, when you said you're half Tongan, I'm yeah. thinking, now that I think about it, they sort of whitened the face. <laughs> well, but they had the wrong yeah. guy. Photoshopped, yeah, no, totally wrong. It was it, when I read the hit piece, it was like so comical. It was like laughable, and um, it, there were so many things in there that were wrong um, and, and incorrect. I I take it now when they do a hit piece on someone standing for local government, I take it as a thing of who to vote for. Yeah. Um, I never read the article, but if they're attacking someone, I think, oh, I'll yeah. vote for them. Um, Absolutely. And what are your plans now that, well, so-called from the media perspective and the government perspective, heading into an election? Yeah. We're over COVID. Um, yeah. What are your plans now for the Daily Telegraph? And I'm going to tell listeners it's the dailytelegraph.co.nz. What are your plans look looking forward? I know you sort of set it up. It was all about countering the narrative and the single source of truth, but mm. it's become something. What are your plans for it looking forward? Well, it's interesting, Rodney, because um, you mentioned before we were over COVID, but but I, I've just noticed in the last week there's been a couple of uh, warning signs that are happening in America and Canada where some areas have actually brought back the mask mandate mm -hmm. um, and Joe Biden has been talking about a quote new vaccine mm -hmm. that that will be recommended for everybody for COVID and I'm thinking hey where is all this coming from all of a sudden because Biden had said a few months ago 
COVID has finished, um, the world's been uh, focused on other events and things, and then suddenly they're now talking about a vaccine and and things. And I I, I don't know if the COVID thing's going to go away. It may may rear its ugly head again for for political reasons um, yes. in America. I I feel America. that. I, yeah. I, I feel it's not over. And if it's not COVID, it'll be something else. And we've got yeah. the global boiling we've got now. The, apparently the earth is boiling away and it's cooking. And yeah. then Mary Hobbs wrote a, a piece that touched me because of something that I have personally experienced, which is the sexualization of children through the education yeah. system. Shocking. And, and it's coming down from the UN, as she rightly pointed out, here's what the UN is saying. And that's there's a whole lot of things that are happening that yeah. to go to the legacy media isn't there, or you're a Nazi if you're Jelly Kelly J. Keen, you're a Nazi, or you support Kelly J. Keen, you're a Nazi, um, or a white supremacist, or both. Um, so there's an ongoing need for media that gives a wide range of views and reports news from a wide range of sources without trying to propagandize. Yeah. Yeah. It's COVID's, uh, up in the air at the moment, but it seems every day there's something crazy in the world happening. It's more crazier than the day before. Mm. Um, and those issues need new, they, they also need voices because um, the mainstream media are just always pushing one, one narrative. They never provide a balanced view. So you mentioned before about what is the future of going forward for Daily Telegraph. It's just to give people that voice. We allow people to comment um, on on articles and of any persuasion, political persuasion. Um, there's a lot of work to do. I, I mentioned before that there was something evil about COVID and the way that the, that the world was and our government were, was responding for to it. Um, that the COVID was a means to an end. They're going to use other means to get to the end. And the end is the complete control of individual people, um, the destruction of Western um, individual human rights, of the, you know, right to privacy and freedom of movement. So the, the, the Daily Telegraph will continue to... Um, to provide a role as we go through these crises that every day seem to be happening with greater um, greater intensity. So, how the, wonderful the, is it that you have done that for us? And the funny thing about what you just said—ah, I used that word "funny." It's not the right word. The amazing thing about what you just said is, it's fully out in the open. Because when you read the UN agenda on anything, yeah. yeah, it's an agenda always for totalitarian control of the individual. Yes. And 
it might be you know gender roles it might be climate there's always a reason uh this big thing that's happening and mm. their go-to position is the need to control our emissions control how far we can travel control our money and it's actually all there in black and white yeah they're not hiding it no no and it you know the mainstream media dismiss these these um facts as conspiracy theories but like you say it's all out there in black and white (laughs) and in their own documents and you know not just written word you can find any video on youtube where the officials or so-called leaders of these organizations that are telling the audience this is what we Mm. want to do Mm. and what we're going to do and isn't it wonderful to have twitter now somewhat released um joe rogan jordan peterson um yourself um guy hatchard linda Wharton. there are these brave souls around the world and at this stage we can still access them and you also feel as though growing out of the community and growing out of their followers is a resistance to the thought that people can take control of our minds i tell you what i particularly love about it um it was stark for me at the protest, at the parliamentary protest, where sadly I was only there for a day. Oh, my goodness. Mm. The greatest day of my life to yeah. see that. But what was so stark to me was it was almost like a complete random group of Kiwis. Yeah. There were people who were rich beyond your dreams. There were people that were poor beyond you could imagine being that mm. uh, without there were every racial group there were religious people there were different religions there were there were greens there were act voters there were marxists it was everything but they were united in the view that mandates were wrong yeah and they came together and i had two thoughts out of that one was that contemporary politics is designed to divide us rather than unite us. So everyone's set up as rich versus poor, or, yeah. and, the, and the media play along, uh, Maori versus non-Maori, mm-hmm. foreigners versus locals, um, yeah. and every which way uh, they divide us. And then the other peculiar thing I thought is there must be a little bit of genetic material in us Mm-hmm. So that when we were living in tribal societies, it was yeah. very good to have 99% or something who would just go along with the tribe. Yeah. But if things changed, you needed 1% who wouldn't go with the tribe. And yeah. I, that was what I noticed about that random group of people. They, The one thing they had in common is if the chief had said to them, oh, we're all going to go off and do this, and everyone in the tribe would say, yeah, let's go off and do this, and these people would say, hang on, <laughs> and that was them. Yeah. And it's like you, it's just hang on, tell me yeah. this, Malcolm, and I'm not doing this to embarrass you or anything, or I'm just wanting it to reflect on it, yeah. and what do you think happened to Jacinda Ardern? Oh, 
It's tough. I mean, I, I, I honestly thought she would make New Zealand a better place. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's tough because for, for a couple of years, she, she was doing really well for New Zealand, uh, I felt. And, um, I thought that, uh, she would, because I, I, I don't vote when I voted, when I vote, voted for her, I, it was about, um, you know, lifting children out of poverty um, dealing with crime, making housing afford- affordable, um, just you know, basically bringing back the the old New Zealand Kiwi dream. But something happened. I mean, she spent time overseas, um, and as I understand, she was working for Tony Blair, yep. for or with Tony Blair. I think if he's one of the most evil men, in my opinion, that's ever. Um, that's ever had the opportunity to to lead a country. I, um, maybe she was had some um, experiences there, or or came into uh, information there while she was working for Tony Blair. But it, yeah, what happened? I mean, that yeah, uh, like I said, I, for me it was a it was like a personal betrayal, like like a family member had betrayed me because that's yeah. I, I had had a lot of hope. And Jacinda and Labour voted Labour all my life. Um, my father's named after Michael Joseph Savage, and just that, what happened? I don't know. I think it was definitely planned. We we, we all know that now in hindsight, um, things were planned. So the fact that it was planned is is whatever happened to her happened to her before she became Prime Minister because this plan has been afoot. Mm. for for a long time and of course it captured every government in the western world i mean there was boris johnson yeah a conservative and a highly intelligent man and he went for it you know big time and so it wasn't even uh left-wing right-wing conservative versus liberal thing. No. And I've never seen an idea grip all governments with the notable exception of Sweden, where the hierarchy collectively appeared to lose their minds. Amazing. And spend their days terrorizing their own population. Yeah. To their population's huge detriment in terms of family life, working life, social life. Um, mm-hmm. It was absolutely tyrannical for no good reason. No. And, um, and you did, did right. The, the, um, the way that it was, uh, it, it, you know, it was obviously to a lot of people it seemed to be coordinated, a coordinated um, international Mm. Um, response to COVID because there are so many examples of the politicians like Boris and uh, Jacinda and uh, Scott Morrison and and Joe Biden. They're all using the same words. Um, I've got a, I got a, I I have a knowledge of how that can work because I was an environmental scientist student. I wouldn't put myself up there as credentialed, but I studied it a lot and I followed it a lot. 
And I have been dismayed by the global warming story. And um, I've watched that unfold. And what was amazing to me was that climate science was never a thing. And there were literally scientists, so-called, that you could count on your hands in the world, and they all worked together. And it literally spread out from that. And there were very few people, and, and the people that were in it were attracted to it as a means to a political end but it was a shockingly small number. Mm -hmm. And when you look at public health officials around the world, there's very few of them. You know, you can, you know, they can have a conference and all fit in one convention center and you're talking to the world's advisors to governments and they can all meet up. They can all email each other and they can all chit, chat, chit, chat, chit, chat. And then you're sitting there as a politician and when you're a politician, you can't, quote, do your own research. You know, you can't double-check things. And you're very much um, prey to your experts and officials. And so they're sitting there giving you, you know, you literally can get a 10-minute briefing and have to make a decision. Mm. So I can sort of see that if all those officials, if they all went mad, if all the officials and public health got an idea in their head, and you can imagine them all following, you know, some official in the UN, I can sort of see it. Um, I guess what I struggle to understand is that you might be fooled at the beginning, but you couldn't be fooled all the way along. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what leads me extremely. and, And then I don't understand why the opposition. Yeah. You know, there's not one MP standing up and saying, look, fellas, yes. ladies, we all went wrong with this bullshit. But hang yeah. on, you know, we've got to admit now that was bullshit. No one. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me, I'm just interested to close because yeah. this is fascinating to me personally, but what sustained you? Because more you have more than anyone you've gone out there with a web page you've stood up to the tanks that line of tanks sitting there with your just yourself you've done it with a little baby yeah. in your house what sustained you through this to keep sane it's just a a, a love for friends and family and and for New Zealand it's that I have a deep love for for my country I believe New Zealand for so long was the greatest country in the world Um, I traveled around a bit and I knew that from traveling overseas particularly to Asia places like that that we were so lucky in New Zealand my grandfather fought in World War II um, he risked everything along with tens of thousands of other New Zealanders so that we could all enjoy the benefits and fruits of, of a, living in a free country. Um, what motivates me a lot too is my son and my family. Um, 
my parents and my, and my brother and his kids, we, we can't, we need to leave a country for our children that is as great as the same country that I had the privilege and many other New Zealanders had the privilege to grow up in. And we, we, we need to know that there are, that there is definitely an evil corrupted agenda which is happening in the world to destroy and take everything that we love and cherish. Um, that's, that, that's my motivation, Rodney. And, you know, where do I get my motivation from? I get it from people like you, from Mary Hobbs, um, Guy Hatchard, uh, Matt Shelton. There's so many. I can't I, um, even, I mean, you know, Ru yeah, Russell Coots, that, that guy's I mean, a legend. You know, when he came down to the protest to see, to see a man of that stature in New Zealand talking out in the media was, was a great uh, inspiration to me. Was. Yeah. Well, there um, you have... There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is speaking truth to power. Just a man, family man, private man, just speaking truth, just looking at the facts and saying, if I'm wrong, show me where I'm wrong. What a wonderful and honest man. That's Malcolm. I'm going to have to ask you, Malcolm, to say your last name, Malcolm. Dranine. Dranine. Malcolm yeah. thank you. Uh, and he's got the webpage. Go to it, bookmark it. It's called thedailytelegraph.co.nz. You won't find it on Google. Try it. I tried it this morning. And you heard him. And I think Malcolm would be the first to admit, like anyone, that he can be wrong and he can have wrong views and uh, get it wrong, make mistakes. We all do that. But that doesn't mean that we shut each other down or stop listening. Or stop communicating and stop talking because that's how we develop as a society. In fact, that's what his grandfather went and fought and risked his life for, like all of his cohort, what they went through. And they understood what free speech was, and we understood it coming through the Cold War, what free speech was and what democracy meant. And it's not what we've got now. And what happens now is you put your head up above the parapet and the so-called free press try and take it off. It's truly disgusting. So go and support um, Malcolm and his contributors. You'll love it. I like the webpage. I enjoy reading it. I don't agree with a lot of it. I disagree with some of it. Um, but I appreciate that someone with an idea can write it down, send it off to Malcolm, and if he approves it, we can read it. Whereas at the moment, if they write something like Mary Hobbs says, questioning adverse events or Guy Hutchard or questioning the UN agenda on the sexualization of young children, no one will publish it in New Zealand except the Daily Telegraph. It's extraordinary. You're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on Rally Check Radio. Send me a text, please, at 2057. Email me at inbox at Radley Check Radio. Aren't we truly blessed to have such wonderful people in New Zealand? This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.